Well, it's a glorious Friday afternoon here in Boston. Fall is here, and I've been outside for lunch rolling, and it was just awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a little smoky in my backyard at the moment here in Ooh, California. But we are staying inside and well oxygenated with filtered air. We have a good conversation scheduled today, though. We are talking with Matthew Sweezy, who is the Marketing Insights Lead at Salesforce, small software as a service company here based in the Bay Area. He's also an author and, from what I understand, somebody who has been thinking about Agile for quite a while, so looking forward to talking with him about his experience. Should we dial him in? Awesome. I have my co-host, Frank Days, on with me as well. Can you hear us both clearly? Yep. Got it all. So maybe you can start just by t- introducing yourself a little bit, telling us what your role is at Salesforce, and how is it that you came to Agile? So my name is Matthew Sweezy. I'm Principal of Marketing Insights over at Salesforce. And what that role really entails is kind of working on the thought leadership side, really specifically focused on the future of marketing and kind of what that means, both in a micro and a macro level. Um, I kind of came into Agile, I don't know if you don't even know when or how, it was probably, it was years ago, I don't know how many, maybe three years ago or, or so, probably give or take. And I really came about it in the context of content creation. It was really kind of the way I came about it was the, the world I was looking at and, and all of the work on content marketing, I started to do the basic numbers and, and just notice what I was seeing in all of the organizations that I work and study with. And the, it, it, the numbers just don't work. If you, you look at the basic mathematics for content creation. I believe it's Tech Validate did the study that says um, on average, 40, it's like 42% of marketers say it takes between two and five weeks to create a single piece of content. And it takes over one third of marketers on the average of seven weeks to create a single piece of content. And if you just run the basic math, right, let's just say that you are a regular company, you have three products, three buyer personas, and three stages in a buying cycle. Run that, that's 27 segments. If you just want to make one piece of content for each one of those segments, and you are average, and it takes you two weeks, that means your job for the next 54 weeks is only going to accomplish a single piece of content for each one of those segments. That's, that's right. Over a year, doing nothing else. If you are the 33% that take on seven weeks, you're looking at two and a half years. And so when you look at that, you say there's, there's, there's a really wrong way that we're looking at building products and building things. Uh, and at the time, I was one of the people that was helping um, grow a company called Pardot. So very integral with the, the software world and the marketing technology space. And a lot of my friends were engineers. And, you know, I knew about Agile and how we built software and thought that was a smart idea. And, and, and that's kind of how I came to it. And I think that's definitely something that a lot of the people we talk to on the podcast tell stories, maybe not with the quantitative glee that you just shared it with, but there's definitely been anecdotes around trying to uh, find a different way to do it because when you're creating content, you also don't always know if that content's going to work or you're creating content in response to something that's in the marketplace. You know, it's kind of interesting from that standpoint. Um, I mean, when so, you just listen to the stories of like why Agile was created by software developers and it's the exact same story in the marketing world straight up. I mean, the, the only differences are how we utilize. It's the exact same story. You know, like you just said, you don't know how it's going to end up. You don't know it's going to work. You don't know if the consumers are going to like it. The, the demands are going to change while you're creating the, the asset or, or whatever it may be. 
Can you share a little bit with our listeners what your Agile process looks like? What Agile process, and let's take two steps back. So currently, I don't work on the execution efforts of campaigns for Salesforce or Salesforce marketing. Uh, strictly on the thought leadership side, uh, more from a theoretical macro level, looking at these things, looking at organizations that implement them, studying them, and then publishing that work back out through speeches, books, articles for Forbes or for Harvard or whoever I may be writing for at the time. So internally, the agile process is going to be dependent based on who's doing what, what department. It's all very fragmented internally in our organization. Um, But in terms of of the agile process that I see, one of the things that, that I just really try to help people understand through my writing and my work a lot of times is just what the word agile means and what the agile process can be. Um, Because I think it's really tricky because it's such a big world and it's like agile is not like a pill that you take. And then once you've taken it, you're agile. It's more of a religion that that requires diligent work uh, on a daily basis. And it comes from multiple different aspects. I mean, there's, there's an agile structure that your team could have. There's also agile processes and they're interdependent of each other. Um, you could have an agile structure and follow whatever type of process you want. And also, I think the main thing that I try to help marketers understand, and I'd love to hear your aspects on this, but the difference between agile from a software methodology and agile from a marketing methodology, yes, you, we can follow the very strict, rigid guidelines that, that you may follow from a scrum or caban or or whatever thing else. But what I just want people to realize is if we think about it in one really simplistic term, and that is that Agile is the modern production methodology. I mean, that's it. I mean, Henry Ford was made famous by not just creating the, the, the Ford brand, but he really revolutionized how he made things with the assembly line. That's kind of one of the big things that he brought out. And Henry Ford would not have built cars the way he built cars, and businesses would not be structured the way they are structured if Henry Ford had dynamic and instant feedback. He just didn't have that. So so the assembly line was the most effective methodology. But now that all aspects of marketing have instant and very accurate uh, ability of information to be brought back, and that's one of the things that we created with the notion of marketing automation and behavioral-based tracking, allowing us to then tie activities to to results to individual behaviors. Um, And we just need to think about that. I think that marketers just really need to think about that fundamental aspect of we have instant and dynamic feedback. So yeah. why don't we think about creating things in that fashion? And, and that's really it. And, you know, just breaking it down to the, the basics of, you know, user story, test an idea, review the results, and then iterate. And, and whatever fashion or format you want to use or flavor of that, it doesn't matter. As long as you understand that it's the core principle of modern production of anything. You made a comment a minute ago about that you work with many different teams. And it sounds like part of the role that you're playing is just to help from a practice development side, help teams understand what Agile is, maybe share best practices through um, the work that you're doing and what you're publishing. I'm curious if you can just give, put, give us some perspective on to what degree is Agile being adopted within the marketing function at Salesforce? Even if it is fragmented, how, how is it the majority of teams that are using it? And if you could also just talk a little bit about where does marketing leadership stand on adopting Agile? So internally at Salesforce, like I said, I I really don't sit much inside of our internal marketing efforts. Agile is deployed in in various levels at different projects. We're not a real big Agile marketing shop. We we follow pretty traditional standpoints and and workflows. Where I see and and where I work mostly is going to be more with a lot of our clients uh, and more of the progressive businesses of the world. 
trying to find out who is the actual people that are doing agile, how are they doing it? What does it look like uh, when they implement that? What are those outcomes? And one of the really, I think the biggest instance that I found of, of agile deployment to, to date is at Capital One. Um, and when they actually took their entire marketing department of 140 people and went completely agile and said, there is no going back. And they definitely subscribed to, um, they started off with the scrum methodology um, and they, they broke themselves out into pods and, and found out the, the aspects that worked best for agile and implemented agile in those pods first. And then the rest of the people were allowed to follow. But what they really found was pretty fascinating. First off, what they found was the pods that weren't told they had to be agile saw the results in the work life that the, the people that were following agile and they asked to be adopted. They, they asked to actually be put into the agile program. The agile program was actually, they took somebody from the software technology side who had used agile and was, uh, you know, the scrum masters in the actual product side of the business. And they brought them over to the marketing side to help teach and implement, implement the scrum methodology into the working, into the marketing workflows. Um, so what you saw was they integrated the idea, they split it up into, you know, who's the most likely that we, we can get agile wins out of right now, you know, things such as like content creation, you know, things that are, are more repetitive and less easily structured into a natural format, they kind of left alone. But then those people who were left alone actually asked, we want to do all that too, because we see all the gains that they're getting. And when I sat down and asked, you know, what, what gains are you talking about? You know, we need quantitative, qualitative data to be able to, to tell people, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And to my surprise, it, as marketers, we too often forget qualitative data because too many times we have to fight that our roles are subjective in the first place and qualitative data doesn't help that. Quantitative data is all people really care about when, when measuring things. And what they said was, you know, th there's definitely gains. We, I don't really know what those gains are. They said, you know what the big game for us is? He says, we enjoy what we do, and we go home at the end of the night now happy about our jobs, period. He's like, we did that for an entire department of 140 people. It literally wow. changed the way we work. Wow. So it's, a, it's like, more the classic HR kind of engagement metrics, or at least that good karma of, I wonder if they saw changes in employee retention or... You know, big companies often, you probably do this at Salesforce, large companies will run employee engagement surveys as a kind of a way to, as a whole methodology around that as a proxy for employee satisfaction. Right. Yeah. And, and that was the thing. And I don't know if they actually ran that survey and saw, but just the fact that, you know, they enjoy what they do. And, and the metric that he said is we now get the most value out of our work. He, he says, this is the highest effort per time we get now uh, because they're just so efficient and people enjoy what they do. And, and yeah, most people don't like meetings. If they have the choice of a meeting or not a meeting, they would prefer not to and spend more time. They prefer to spend more time working. And then along with that, who likes to work on a plan, right? If you're going to spend all of your time working on a six or a 12 month plan that if you're in a discipline, like you were alluding to and like content where the world changes quickly and your reality, reality adapts and that plan's good for maybe a month or two or three months at best. I think most people of these yeah. days are smart enough to recognize that and don't want to waste their time on a plan that's ultimately going to be outdated quickly. It's not hard. I mean, there, there's micro macro ways to adopt these things, right? I mean, it's like as an individual, you can start doing agile things. You could just have a daily stand up every morning and, and start doing that as a part of, 
your practice, which is an agile methodology. You don't have to go full bore and like they did and burn the ships, as they said, and no turning back. You know, you can make hybrids or do however you want. Just understanding of, of iteration and testing. Here's my favorite thing, and I don't think marketers understand this. Um, and I say that because I ask them and they always give me the same answer. Uh, I was standing in, I guess it was Kansas City. I was delivering a keynote to the Digital Summit audience, which is like 1,200 marketers in Kansas City. And I, I said, all right, I'm going to ask everybody an embarrassing question. So I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I'm asking everyone to close your eyes so no one will see whose hand's raised. That embarrassing. I want you to do this. They said, okay. Yeah, I look, most of them close their eyes. In other words, I've kind of picked on for a second. And so here's your question. How many of you ever picked up a telephone and called somebody that engaged with any of your marketing collateral or content to ask them what they thought about it? How many of you have ever done that? Not to qualify them as a lead, but for the sake of you making your marketing better. Out of a room of 1,200 people, how many people do you think raised their hands? I don't know. You tell us. Three. Three people raised their hands. The mm -hmm. baffling part is that marketers don't even think about this. They don't even think about their roles in a way that would baffle any product. Right? It's like we don't think about what we create as a product. We just think about pretty pictures and doing a task rather right. than we're actually creating things for consumers that we need to actually follow basic methodologies for. Sure. Uh, and when you start to think about that way, it, I, I hope it really you know, shakes some markers up and be like, well, the reason we didn't is because we, we couldn't before. You, know, you couldn't know who downloaded that white paper very easily until we started doing email and individual behavioral-based tracking. And, and markers never had to pick up the telephone. Um, and call people. You never had to compete with this much content. Um, but now that we do, we definitely have to see these as not just like, in my full opinion, Agile is not a fad. It is not a, a thing that you can do or not do. It is literally the, the production methodology that all aspects will follow moving forward, marketing included. So can you talk about the impact that in your own work when as a content creator, can you talk about how you've moved to sort of a more programmatic approach to developing content or to say it another way, you know, to what degree are you iterating on the actual content that you produce? And can you speak to an example of that? So this goes back to a personal example I did. So I, I'm a co-owner and a co-founder in a brewery down in Atlanta. So this is totally outside the world of Salesforce and, and technology, but um, we wanted to open a tasting room. And so I said, okay, well, we need to have a Kickstarter campaign to get the money and yada, yada, yada. And so it's just really basic. The simplest thing you can do is just go on Facebook and buy an ad and you can throw seven images or five images on a piece of copy and then run it for a day and see which one works and then flip off the others and then go full bore on the, on the one that works. I mean, it's that basic to do some agile methodology, throw out different ideas, test which one works, and then whichever one works, move forward with that one. And it worked. Yeah. We raised $36,000 on a $1,200 investment. It certainly goes against his, the history of marketers as the hero. I always think of Steve Jobs, the marketing genius. You know, the, Apple's, the lore of Apple's success is Steve Jobs is, was the marketing genius, and he was the product genius. And, you know, a lot of these new approaches to marketing are, are kind of force the user to succumb to the process that – it's no longer the hero worship. It's we're going to programmatically build 2,500 ads and you know use some kind of sophisticated analytic method to, or artificial intelligence to tell me what the five winners are, and then we're going to roll those out across a bunch of sites. It's kind of interesting in light of what you were just talking about a few moments ago. It does certainly change the way we think and work as marketers. 
and it has to, because you talked about the hero and you could also use the word dictator. It, there was only one way and that was Steve Jobs's way. Now, Steve Jobs happened to be a genius and no one can disagree with that. But here's the problem with creative and creative genius. It is so rare. It doesn't really exist. You can really point to only a very few creative geniuses that have been successful over many, many years. And so if you go back, there's a great documentary called Art and Copy. I believe you can get it on Amazon. Uh, but they're talking with, uh, with Hal Rainey. And so Hal Rainey is the guy that created the Nike campaigns, created a bunch of famous campaigns. And he also ran the campaigns for Reagan and yada, yada, yada. He's a phenomenal advertising man. And he says, you know what people really don't realize? He says, in our world, there really is very few geniuses, creative geniuses that exist. These heroes that you're talking about. It's really a myth. They don't really exist. They do, but they're so rare. You are lucky if you ever get to work with one in your lifetime, is what he says. And if we think about that, and then think about how many marketers there are, and then the next step is in the committee. He says the next problem with creative genius is that then it has to go through a committee. And committees, by nature, their job is to minimize risk. And so then they cut out anything that's risky or creative. So the creativity may be there, but then it's never even going to get a chance to show. So these ideas that marketers are really creative magicians or heroes is a total myth in the first place, but yet it's perpetuated because we think we are those individuals and we want to fulfill that in our own selves. And we have to get past that and, and see that that never has worked. I mean, you look at even the most creative campaigns, right? Let's take the Kmart example of the ship my pants from, you know, a few years ago. It was one at Cane's. It was this phenomenal advertising campaign. But if you followed it through and you Google how to get to your local Kmart, did when I was in Chicago, when I saw this thing, it sent me right to the three reviews that were an average of 2.9. No one goes to a store with an average rating of 2.9. Well, then I went to the website and the website was broken. So even if you do get a creative win, it doesn't really do anything for you in the modern world if you don't have all your ducks in a row and, and understand the actual processes. So that old idea and mentality of marketing, it's completely flawed from start to finish. It only worked in a very limited segment of time based on the media environment that we operated in. And I think yeah. that's the key that we don't realize. It, it's funny. I think there is a flip side to the, this narrative, which is that, I mean, I don't think that adopting Agile is antithetical to basically investing in creative and inspiring people to be more creative. I think in some respects what it does is it actually just cuts out a lot of the bureaucratic bullshit that gets between good creative exactly. and actual results where the people who are closest to the work actually get to run experiments and Agile in basically encourages them to, instead of making big creative bets, it encourages them to make many, many, many small creative bets that lead to, you know, significant value creation. Yeah, but there are also, we've also had some examples, like when we interviewed Andy Kling from Euro RSCG, and he was talking about they, they're part of their, making their project agile was working differently where there wasn't this mythical legal team or compliance team. Mm -hmm. you know, they pulled them into the process, their agile process and their creative process as well. So, even more so than, get, you know, some places are getting rid of checks and balances and some places are actually finding ways to integrate them into their agile processes as well. Yeah, I think at least in the context that I'm working, I think the difference is, is that there are basic legal guidelines that we are aware of and adhere to and that we don't need to engage with legal to actually do work. When we find something that is very successful 
and now we're getting to a point where we're ready to scale it, I think that's more where we would bring legal back in and say, okay, this isn't going to be on the edges of what is approved. We're actually going to sort of take this experiment that was successful in a branch and try and drive it back into the back into the trunk of um, our marketing practice. And that's where I see more of the engagement with legal teams. You brought up something interesting that I've been talking a lot about uh, and done some research around, which is the, the once you've got a small test to double down on the wins, right? That's a basic agile methodology. But when we look at the way that we structure our budgets and the way that marketers operate, that really has a hard, we don't necessarily have a really good way of doing this. And, and here's the problem. When you run these tests, you may find a new technique or a new tactic. And then to execute that on a larger scale, it may require additional budget. It's going to require additional budget. Uh, and that's where a lot of marketers run into issues currently is this notion of budget. And the, the problem a lot of people face is to do a lot of these things and I'm not saying agile, but to do a, most modern marketing requires a significant investment in technology, methodology, training, skills, yada, yada, yada. And the budgets just don't, don't equate. And so one of the things I've been pushing for that, that we've utilized in the days of exact target is this notion of a stretch budget. It's essentially a line of credit that's pre-negotiated with your higher ups. And you say, we're going to have a basic goal and we're going to have a stretch goal. And in any campaign, if I ever reach my stretch goal, I want $5,000, $10,000, whatever you want to negotiate for, already pre-negotiated for and set aside as double down money. And say, so if we prove that we have a technique that can get us a stretch goal, we already have the money doubling down to invest in that. Because if you think about the business, it's an investing machine. Why wouldn't you say, if we have a, a clear cut way to get a massive gain, why wouldn't we double down on that as an investment? That, that's exactly what it should be. Uh, but it's, the hard part is doing it after the fact versus doing it in a pre-negotiated format. Um, so if you look at those budgets, it's like a stretch budget. When you're setting up your budgets in the first place, say, hey, let's, let's also talk about when do we have big wins and how do we double down on those yeah. and set up a small portion for stretch. You can then maximize some of these agile gains. Well, I think you know you're you're touching on something that's come up in some of our earlier conversations about just you know promoting agility in the context of the finance organization. Like, let's move away from the annual budget and move more towards you know thinking of the CFO more like a bank, and you go yeah. with them, go to them with your business case right now, and ask them for more investment when the data is fresh not asking them for investment about something that might or might not happen a year from now. It just comes back to the question of whenever finance people have to stop reporting on an annual or a quarterly basis or whenever financial investors stop looking at annualized returns and things like that, that's going to be, yeah, it's just a bigger question. Well, unfortunately, you know, that half an hour kind of blew by before we blinked our eyes. Um, Matthew, it's been great having you on the podcast. Um, sometimes we give people a chance to plug stuff before we sign off. Is there anything going on? Anything you speaking, talking, anything you wanted to plug that you're working on right now currently? Oh, man, I appreciate it. I've got a new book I'm writing for Harvard Business that'll be coming out later next year. It's titled Still Working, but uh, follow me on Twitter at MSweezy, and I will let you know when it comes out. Awesome. Well, Matthew, thank you for coming today and sharing your thoughts. I, mean, I think I was just texting with Roland and saying, gee, we got to reach out to some friends at Capital One and see if we can learn a little bit more what's, what's going on there. But as a reminder to our listeners, you can find the Marketing Agility Podcast at AgileMarketingBlog.com. We are also on iTunes. 
We are still filling the feed with podcasts occasionally. After a slow summer, we're back and the schedule is starting to fill up this fall. Uh, if you have a story to tell, you can go to agilemarketingblog.com and fill out a form or reach out to Roland at rsmartly or myself at Tangy Slice on the Twitters. Thanks again for joining us today, Matthew, and everyone out there, please stay agile.